How about it? How about it? Mm. So blessed to be with you. So glad you're here and joined us. I am going to use the chair. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Um, I think it helps me slow down a little bit. When I sit down, I think it helps me slow down, which helps all of us. So let's, uh, let's talk about the beard first. So if you weren't here last week, here's, here's the deal. I didn't lie. I told the church. I started on before our bye week, the Panther, our being the Panthers, of course. And I just thought, you know, we're not invested as a church as we should be in the Panthers. So we've got we to gotta step our game up. So I told the church last week, we, I will not shave, and a bunch of men joined me. We will not shave until the Panthers win a game. And then what do you know, they won last week, right? I did not say I will shave as soon as they win. I said I will not shave until they win. So that's true. But then I thought they've been so bad. And it, it, uh, there was a, a woman in our church who told me this week, she said, I never watch football, but I did look it up Sunday night. I just wanted to know if they won or not. So that's what I'm talking about. It's a little bit of investment, right? So um, it's hard for me not to think, did my beard have anything to do with the first win of the season? I think it did. Call me crazy, but I think it did. So now I've decided I'm not shaving until the Panthers lose. All right? So easy now, second row. She's false prophet. Um, so we play at 4 o'clock, be prayed up, and then we play Thursday night. So either next week, either I'll be shaved or our Panthers will be on a three-game win streak. We'll see. We'll see which way. It goes. Enough of that. It's been such a great weekend. I told first service, uh, whatever you ladies did in here for the IF event yesterday, we need you to do that every Saturday because it just it feels different in a beautiful way in here. We're in this series. If you're new with us, we're so glad you're here. You're not behind. You're not coming in in the middle of a movie. We're in a series of Galatians. We're going to un unpack Galatians 5 today. And, and some would say the most important verse in the entire book of Galatians is the first uh, verse of Galatians 5. Is it talks about Freedom. So let's start there. First one. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. All right. So it's, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So it's kind of redundant, right? It, the, it is for freedom. He set us free so that we would live free. Some, somebody said that the whole book of Galatians could be summed up in saying this, trying to convince the prisoners not to go back into the prison. You've been freed from it. And now sometimes we voluntarily walk back into prison. And the specifics of this prison that he's speaking of, which is a little struggle for us culturally, he's talking specifically of, um, of circumcision. All right, so circumcision isn't something we talk about a lot these days in church. Um, but it was a huge deal because it was the sign of the original covenant in the Old Testament. So that's a longer story. Um, but when God made his covenant with Abraham and the people, he said, it's going to be a sign that I've made a promise to you. I'm going to make a great nation of all the people, and, um, and I'm going to bless all people through Abraham. It was a pr actually a prophecy of Jesus and through Abraham's line. Um, and he said, this will be the sign. On the eighth day, Jewish babies, baby boys will be circumcised. What is circumcision, right? Do we have to talk about that? We do. Um, circumcision is a literally cutting off. It's the male private parts. Uh, you, you, it's, a, it's a little surgery to cut off that, and it, and it has to, it's, it's deep in Scripture of, um, you know, Abraham sinned with his, with his private parts, to be honest with you. So it was after that that he was trying to do things his way because God had promised a son, and they couldn't get pregnant. So then he 
he slept with his, his servant, um, Hagar's servant, uh, with Sarah's permission, and they tried to do it their way, and it messed up a lot of things. In all of that, God said, I'm going to give you this sign um, that you're my people. This is how you get in. This is part of it. it. You didn't have to be Jewish. You came in, you were circumcised, and you were welcomed into the family of God. So that's the issue in Galatians 5. And the whole, the whole book of Galatians, the issue is these Jewish Christians now were a mixed group with non-Jewish, and they were saying, this is what we do. This is how you get in on the family of God. So circumcision is painful if you've ever uh, seen the, the babies cry every time, but they don't know any better because they're babies. But to circumcise a grown man is a whole different deal. In fact, the Catholic Church, I was looking at the Catholic history, uh, they were pro-circumcision until about like 1200, and they had a council, and they said, no more circumcision. It's not required. And the reason they said was, it's in writing, because lost people aren't going to come to our church. <laughs> it's too big. Like, if you got to get circumcised to be a Christian, that's too much. So they, they changed their mind, right? So that's the fight in Galatians. Is it, abs- is it necessary to be a follower of Jesus? Do you have to be Jewish and specifically um, be circumcised? And Paul is saying over and over again, no. He's like, you don't, we don't have to do that. You're not a slave to the old to the old way. And he's fired up. If He's probably as mad as we've seen him in chapter 5. Paul is, he's talking rough. He's talking some nasty stuff, right, that we're not even going to put on the screen. You know what he says? He's kind of, you know, when you get, when you get real fired up, sometimes you go a little, you're, maybe you're arguing with a loved one and you're really trying to make a point and you just go one step too far. I'm not saying Paul did that. That's not my place. But he's talking about circumcision and all this. Like, you don't need to be circumcised. It's about Jesus, not circumcision. And he says in verse 12, look it up if you don't believe me, because I'm not putting it on the screen. He says, if you want want to think that way, go ahead and cut the whole thing off. Now, that's not how it's translated, but it's translated as castrate or emasculate. What he's saying is, if you're going to put all this emphasis on circumcision, then why stop with a little snippet? Just go ahead and go, go machete instead of scalpel. That's what he's saying. All right. Um, he's, why is it, he's so fired up because this, this, is, this is so essential to the gospel. We're a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God. This gospel is, is it's built on Jesus and just Jesus. Here's how Paul said it. Verse 2, he said, mark my words, exclamation point. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Whoa. What, is, what does that mean for the circumcised men in the room? You can't be a Christian? No. He's saying if you let yourselves be circumcised, built into that, if you let yourselves be circumcised to be close to God, if you think circumcision is going to get you in, then Christ has no value. Why? Because, here's the deal, if you add anything to Jesus, Paul's saying you get nothing. Jesus plus blank equals nothing. You don't have Jesus. If you've got to add something to him, then it, in fact, what, what that really blank means, that Jesus plus blank actually means that Jesus isn't enough. That's why this is so offensive to the gospel. If you've got to add something to Jesus, then it's saying that Jesus isn't enough. So our blank is not circumcision in modern day. We could put a lot of stuff in that blank. A Jesus plus perfect church attendance. It gets you nowhere standing with God, right? Jesus plus dressing the right way. Jesus plus trying to think of my childhood. We've come a long way as a culture, but in my childhood, um, Tattoos and piercings, those were not for God's people, right? So you can't have that if you're going to be, like, anything we add, you put anything you want to in the blank, it shouldn't be there. If you've got to not do something to be a real Christian, if you've got to do something to be a real Christian, that's saying that Jesus in himself is not enough, and that's in opposition to the, to the gospel. You with me, 11 o'clock? All right, let's talk, um, 
Let's talk about two big fancy words that are really, really important to our faith. This is going to free some of you up. The word's freedom. These words are justification and sanctification, all right? We're going to define those. Justification is the moment that you are justified, you are made right with God. Sanctification is a process. So, so if you can see this, this, this teaching graph, all right? So we don't try to take uh, bad people and make them good. That's not our goal as a church. Our, our goal is to take dead people and make them alive. So here's what this looks like. There's a point of conversion, right? We're about that. If you don't know, if you're not sure if you've ever been converted to Christianity or justified, we'd love to have that conversation with you. At this moment, where you, how do you get justified? Through your faith in Jesus. At the point of justification. That happens in a moment. It's not a process of justification. It happens when you put your faith in Jesus. That's why he went to the cross, so that he would draw you to himself. And you can Now, from that point till the point of death, there's a process that's happening. I like this graph because it's not a clean line, right? It's up and down a little bit, but it's going the right direction. It's a process from the moment of conversion till the moment of death of your, what the Bible calls sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. That has to be known in the church of Jesus because we can get so mad at people and, and we can judge people like, what's wrong with you, right? Remember, if we're doing what we're supposed to do every single Sunday, we're going to have somebody in the room that's still dead in their sin. They don't know. Sometimes we get mad. We say, like, why are you acting like a heathen? You know why people act like a heathen? Because they're a heathen, right? We're never going to expect people that don't know Jesus to act like Jesus. That doesn't make any sense. And when you're converted, you are justified, and God is real, but there's that process. It takes a whole lifetime. So sometimes we want somebody a week into their faith to act like somebody that's 10 years into their faith, all right? That's ridiculous. Just be patient with each other because we all understand. We're all in the process. That's what makes us such a great church. I don't have to know you or your story. I know you're in process. There's not one person that has reached this perfection in Christ. We won't reach it in these bodies, and we'll talk about why. So that gives some, that's part of our freedom. Like, I don't have to know you to know you're in the same process if you're a Christian that I am. It doesn't matter how far along you are. We're just trying to help each other keep moving and keep going. We like transformation over transaction. So here's what he's talking about with justification and, and, and sanctification. Verse 4, Galatians 5. You who are trying to be justified by the law, you've been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Paul's, Paul's saying you've, you can't be forgiven because what you've done is you're, you're separating yourself from Christ. What did they do that was so bad? Some of you have heard growing up in church about you can fall away from grace if you do certain bad things. You know what the awful thing Paul says can actually pull you away from the beauty of grace and forgiveness? It's by trying to justify yourself by the law. I am good before God because of how well I behave. That makes Christ insignificant. It says, verse 5, for through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ, I can't believe he said this to a Jewish Gentile crowd. He said, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Right? You guys ever heard of a church split? Right? Churches get so mad and they just say, you know what, we cannot be one body anymore. We're going to take, there was a church that I worked at eventually after, it was Woodford Community Christian Church, right? So they, half of them were Woodford Christian Church, the other half were Community Christian Church. We cannot coexist because we're so mad about these, these secondary issues. So they started two different churches, right? Uh, every church that splits, I just want to go up, I say, I got a message for every church that's struggling with some unity. And all I'm going to do is read two verses 
or one verse, Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Neither modern worship music or acapella worship music has any value. You know, stylistic, none of that. Here's what, only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So in that, it's the righteousness that is coming in our perfection, but it's not, circumcision or uncircumcision does nothing for your justification or your sanctification. Right? It's, it's of no value. And here, here's, here's, man, this is going to, I think this is going to bother some of you, and some of you, it's going to free some of you up. Think about those. Two. Justification happens when you trust Jesus and you put your faith in him. Sanctification is the process that's the rest of our lives, that God is perfecting us and forming Christ in us, as Paul says. Here's the truth. Both justification and sanctification are equally impossible by human effort. You cannot justify yourself by trying harder, and you cannot sanctify yourself by trying harder. You believe me? All right? Be careful, because some of you have spent years, if not decades, trying harder to make your sanctification happen. Some of you have been forgiven for something so many times, and you still go back to God with, I need to be right with you. And he's already forgiven you. He's already as Scripture says, taking that sin as far as the east is from the west. You are justified and right before him, and you keep trying to human effort your way to that, which is against the gospel. They're, they're impossible. Isn't that, isn't that freeing? You can't, no matter how hard you try. Our whole culture is built on how hard you just try harder. There is no try harder that's going to get you justified or that's going to get you sanctified. Who's that bad news for? Who's, who's, that, who's that really bad news for? I'd say proud people, right? If, you, if you're really of human effort, then that's bad news. You're saying, I've done everything in my life, my, my education, my finances. Like I've gotten everywhere I've gotten by human effort, and now my human effort is worthless in my walk with Jesus? Yeah, it's worthless in the context of, uh, of um, justification and sanctification. Do I need a different mic? Okay, I'm good. I mean, if I hold a mic, y'all watch out. Um, I go back to my MC days if I hold a mic. Um, next verse, 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. This is really important. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Right, here's church where we get off of circumcision and we come into what this um, spirit freedom is about. Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. It says rather, like these are in opposition to each other. And so you can indulge the flesh. We'll talk about the flesh in a second. The opposite of indulging the flesh is to humbly serve each other. When you, when you get this freedom that I don't have to do anything to impress God, it really plays out in how you look at your, at your fellow man. It really plays out in how you look and treat each other and love each other. In fact, it tells us not to bite and devour each other, right? We're not talking about Mike Tyson. We're talking about like eating each other up. When, when you don't have this right, when you're trying to do things, think about it. I'm trying to get right with God by my performance for him. There's so much pressure. There's no freedom in that. I'm trying to get right by just being as good and doing everything as just right as I can. 
I'm performing for God. If that's who I am and you're not performing well for God, I'm going to look down on you and I'm going to let you know and I'm going to be judgmental. You're going to feel that judgment from me, right? I'm, and, we're, and he's saying if you go that way, you're going to devour, you're going to destroy each other from the inside out. You're going to, the church will eat itself alive if it doesn't understand the difference between freedom through the spirit and, and indulging the flesh. So let's talk about the flesh. All right, so you've heard if you grew up in church, you're like, oh, that was my, my flesh came out, right? So what are people talking about? It's a, it's a, it's a, a word in Scripture for the sinful nature. So let me give you a, a, a simple definition. It is the indwelling deceitful force marked by self. So if you're a human, and I think you are, you have this, right? Like, it may be the sweetest person in the world. They have flesh. It may look different. They may, it may come out different. We all have this indwelling Self-deceit, it, deceits, it deceives ourselves. We're all uh, open to self-deception. And it's marked by self, specifically three self-words. Uh, you know it's the flesh when it's self-serving. Right? You know it's the flesh when it's self-sufficient. You know it's the flesh when it's self-consumed. All right, so let me define each of What does it look like to be self-serving? That means I serve nobody outside myself. I come first. Right When the buffet line opens at the family dinner, of course I'm going first because that's the only person I'm worried about feeding is me. We don't have to teach little kids to think about themselves first. That's natural in us. We, we are self-serving creatures. Self-sufficient means I don't need anyone's help. You know, self-serving, we, can, we get mad at that. Everybody knows that's not attractive, self-serving people. But in the church, you know who gets a pass? is self-sufficient people. It sounds kind of godly to say, I don't need anybody's help. Y'all don't worry about me. I got it, right? That's your sinful, selfish nature speaking. In fact, often in the church, and we're so blessed here, the, often the people in the church that are so good at serving others, when it's their turn to have surgery, don't come see me. I don't need to, no. Self-sufficiency is your flesh. If you don't want anybody to help you, that's not of, of God. And then self-consumed is, I'm the center of my universe, Right? Now, nobody says that out loud, but I bet you don't have to think real hard to think of somebody who is the center of their own universe. Don't, don't go there. All right, we're all, in, we're all in different seasons of life, right? Well, I'm in a season, and we've been doing this a long time. That if you have kids, um, I see, I think we got maybe first visit, baby, first time to Relentless today. Yes, yes. So that's not too young to start praying for your kids' future spouses. All right, I've got three kids. They're right here. I don't know if they're going to get married. But we've been praying a long time, and now that they're getting older, that's getting real. You know what? Even if you don't know Jesus, you know what we can all agree on in the room? Nobody wants your kid to marry that, right? Nobody's praying for a self-serving, self-consumed. Now, some of you might be praying for self-sufficient, <laughs> right? I want somebody that can take care of my, themselves and my kid, right? But those are not qualities we want in a future son or daughter-in-law. That's the sinful nature, and we all have to struggle with it. So what Paul's doing is he's painting this picture um, of living by the Spirit or living by the sinful nature. And he's painting, he's painting the, uh, the contrast. And, and here's what frustrates me and why I get fired up about this. Because it sounds sometimes like living by the Spirit is like graduate-level Christianity to some people. It's not. It is so central to what you cannot, like here's the example I'll use. Uh, my favorite place to eat in the whole world. It's a place that five of you have heard of, my family. And it used to be called TJ's Deli, and they changed the name. Drives me nuts. Now it's Mike's Deli. So if you're ever in Winston-Salem, Parkway Plaza, you got to go to the one in the rough part of the city. You can't go to the one on the nice side of town. They don't do it right. 
right? But Mike's Deli grew up, it was TJ's me, and this, uh, it's known as the home of the cham. I'm sorry to do this right before lunch. It is a chicken, ham, chicken, ham, cham sandwich. It's life-changing, all right? So if you go by there and you go and you let me know, he's like, hey, I went to, I went to Mike's Deli, Pastor, it's all right. Like, don't tell me that because I will think less of you. Um, but somebody, you know, I always talk up that place. Somebody went one time. I was like, yeah, I went to your place. It was good. I was like, it was good. I said, like, what'd you have? They're like, hot dogs. You, you didn't go to Mike's Deli, TJ. You didn't go to TJ's if you had hot dogs, right? You got to have the cham, right? Same thing. You, you, Christian life without living by the Spirit, it's a man-made myth. It doesn't exist. There are so many, forget lost people who we love and untold, unconvinced. There are so many Christians, self-identified Christians that you know and in your community, maybe in our community, that don't know about living by the Spirit. And that's why they're not free because life by the Spirit is the only path to freedom. It's essential. All right? It's this idea. Here, here's how I'll explain it because, you know, what, is, what do we do here? We talk about sports. All right? So here's the example. And, and this is so dear to me because I spent, what have, I've been a Christian 30-some years. I spent a lot of my Christian life in this example I'm going to give you of a free throw, all right? So there's, an, there's, a, there's a situation at the end of a basketball game that happens rarely, but it happened. We were talking about it the other day. Kennedy, one of my players, is in the room. In middle school, uh, it was a state championship game, and she got hurt. Um, she got fouled, but they called a foul, uh, and she was hurt, and she couldn't shoot the free throw. So they come to the, the coach. I was assistant coach at the time. They come to the coach and said, all right, coach, you've got to pick somebody off your bench to shoot the free throw. We're like, all our good players are in the game. Like, no, you got to pick somebody from the bench to shoot the free throw. We're looking at the bench like, oh, boy, these are big free throws. <laughs> right? So we gather as coaches, and we're like, what do you think? We get Emily? Emily? Yeah, she's got the best percentage. So we go to Emily. It's like, we need you to shoot this free throw. And before we could get the words out, she was like. <laughs> we're like, that's not a good sign. And then, uh, then Hannah, the girl named Hannah, is like, I'll shoot it. And we're like, oh. Hannah. All right, if you want. So Hannah went out there. She made the free throw to win the state championship. It was a beautiful thing. Uh, you didn't need to know all that. All right, here's how I live my life. I thought if you're, if you're spending time with Jesus, we believe this. We say all the time as a church, my primary responsibility today is to spend quality time with God. So we believe this isn't against that. But I spent a lot of my life having quiet time in the morning, with reading the Bible, saying a prayer, and it was like a huddle, right, and I'm with Jesus, and then I'm going to go out there, and, and I'm on the free throw line. And if free throws, and, and if you don't know basketball, free throw, there's nobody guarding you. That's why it's called a free throw. So everybody's looking at you end of game. Sometimes there's no time on the clock. There's nobody out there but you. It's a lonely feeling, right? And I'm out here, and I'm living life, and I'm getting ready to shoot. And I look over at Jesus, and he's giving me the, you got, come on, you got this, right? Or Jesus never said you got this, right? That's such a buzzword. I'm not mad if you're doing that, but I told first service, I could put anything online today. Hey, I'm going to do this physical challenge. I have a friend. This is how old I'm feeling. I got kids that were in my youth group back in the day my, when I was a student pastor that are turning 40. And this dude's crazy. He's a pastor in, uh, in Lafayette, Indiana. And we were video chatting back and forth. And he said, tomorrow's my 40th birthday. So I just decided this has been a, I had a bucket list of stuff I want to do before I was 40. And I'm way behind. So he decided without any training, he was going to do a marathon after lunch the day before his 40th birthday. I'm like, right? And he, he made it. He he, he, we went back and forth because I laughed at him. I was like, he's 6'6", he's a big dude, and he made it 16 miles. Then he called it, he quit. He said, my feet are on fire. I was like, he's like, maybe that's why people train for these things. Yeah. Um, but if he'd have put that on Facebook, hey, I'm going to do a marathon today, you know what people would have said? You got this, right? You got this. No, he didn't got this, right? So, 
So Jesus isn't saying you got this, but what my, my view of Christianity was, I'm going to spend time with you in the huddle, I'm going to soak you up, and I'm going to take you with me. i got to go out here, i got to make this shot. That's good form, right? The problem is, if I make it, whoa, right? I got Jesus loves me right now. Look how good I did. Look what I didn't do. I told you I'd never do that again. I didn't do it. Look how I came through. And if I miss, oh, man, I embarrassed you, Jesus. I blew it again, all right? So you have, if you don't understand this freedom, you're going to end up on one bad side of the fence. You're either going to walk around arrogant, thinking you're the man or woman, or you're going to walk around deflated and defeated. And that's not what Jesus came to do for us. The other way, and this is, the, this is a life that God's calling you to and our church to, this is changing us, is we have the huddle, we believe in the huddle, we believe in spending time with Jesus, that's huge. But then we walk out, I'm getting ready to shoot the free throw, and Jesus said, back up, give me the ball. Well, you can't, I got to shoot. And then he does this thing where he, he comes in my body somehow. Right, Kenny, this year when you go, when you get fouled on free throw line, Becca, me, I got three players in the 11 o'clock service. Anytime you get fouled, I want you to go up there. I want you to get, you know, Jesus in you, right? So Jesus comes in me, right? And then I shoot, and I don't even have to look at it because I'm not shooting it. And Jesus doesn't miss free throws. In fact, he doesn't even hit the rim. He swishes every one. That's the freedom. I don't have to wonder how this is going to go. He's doing it for me. It's Jesus. He's per- we just sang it. He will never fail. That's true. Well, why do we fail? Because we don't yield to the Spirit. We don't have the freedom to let him live through us. When you try to do it on your own, it looks good. Sometimes people will give you a lot of applause. Oh, you're doing so great. It's not. Here's the hard part. If you have pride, I have pride. The hard part is I kind of like making the free throw. I kind of like, like, look what I did. And the Christian life is entirely me getting out of the way so Jesus can do it. And he'll use your body and your mouth and your skills and talents, but it's all him. That's freedom, right? That's exciting. That's not stressful. We have so much pressure when we live the other way. Let me talk about, let me talk about this sinful nature flesh life. There's three E's that I got. You know I like E's. Um, if you live that way, it's an emotional roller coaster, right? If you're living on your own strength and trying to perform, how am I doing, Jesus? How am I doing? That's a, like because you're up and down, you're up and down. It's also the second E, it's exhausting, right? And I'm not talking about physical fatigue, right? If you work a full-time job, if you have toddlers, there is no path outside of being tired. That's part of it. Well, I'm not I'm talking about spiritual and emotional exhaustion. Why are we so exhausted? Because we're living with this burden. That first verse had to use the word yoke. Yoke of, what's a yoke? A yoke is a farming tool where they put two ox or two whatever into this machine where they're, they got to carry and pull something. Some of you are pulling and Jesus is begging you today, November 5th. He's begging you to be free maybe for the first week of your life to not carry the burden. And just to get off the emotional roller coaster and the exhaustion. The third thing is the, the flesh life is empty. It never fulfills. It's always like, that's why, that's why we're seeing new people, right? And some of them are Christians and some of them are just looking. Our culture, people say we're a post-Christian culture, and I get all that. But the truth is, everybody you know, even if they call themselves atheist or whatever, and everybody you know has a thirst for this thing that God put in us. And it's empty when we try to do it on our own strength. The opposite life is the spirit-led life, right? And I don't have enough words to describe how good it is, but I'll tell you this. It's stable and consistent. It's unpredictable. 
Like you never know where the Spirit's going to lead you, but it's not a roller coaster. Second, it's restful and free. Can we just be honest? Do we be honest that in 2023, it's hard to find a Christian that would use those two words to describe their life and their mindset? Restful and free. We're doing something wrong. You know what something is? We're, we don't understand living by the Spirit. We're trying to do it on our own self, and, and that's not restful, and there's no freedom in it. Third, it's fulfilling, and it's soul-satisfying. I hope that gives you some good stuff to talk about, you guys that are in small groups, those lists, and find yourself in that. And then Paul does this for us. He gives us a list of how you know what the sinful nature looks like. And it's not a complete exhaustive list. He doesn't name everything that comes out of the sinful nature, but it's a pretty, it's a pretty intense list. Check it out, verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Here's what it looks like when we're living by the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, ambition dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Good grief, Paul, just stop. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right, that's what happens when we're living by the flesh. Now, when it, debauchery is a word that we don't use. It's this idea of sexually no limits, anything goes, right? You think of Vegas or whatever. Uh, one of our people uh, is in Vegas this week, so I texted, say, how's Vegas? And she described it as Times Square mixed with Myrtle Beach, I don't know if that's true, but I've never been to Vegas. But, it, but this idea, and you don't have to go to Vegas to get there. You don't have to go to Vegas of unlimits, no borders, anything's possible with anything, just wild, like free. They call it freedom. That crazy? They call it freedom, right? And God says, no, freedom is in the spirit. The acts of the sinful nature are this um, rebellion. There's no rules. There's no standards. Um, and you know what we're bad about sometimes as a church is we can pick the ones on here that we don't struggle with and throw stones at the witches, because we don't struggle with witchcraft. It's a full list of the flesh. Your flesh looks different than my flesh. My flesh might look different than your flesh. But you know where it shows up in church? Is it gets to these factions and dissensions and envy, right? Because if I'm living by the flesh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be either be better than you or I'm gonna be less than you because I'm trying as hard as I can. That's why you hear people say, oh, that person, I could never be a Christian like them. That's flesh, right? Somebody that looks like, you don't know, looks like they're doing it well. You're thinking, man, I'm so far behind them, right? That's flesh living because it's not, it's not about you shooting the free throw. It's about Jesus shooting it um, through you. And it leads to all kinds of stuff that's damaging and, and hurtful. And then he goes through the acts of the spirit. This is, he actually calls it the fruit, right? It's not the fruits of the spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit, it's not we pick and choose from this list. It's if the Spirit is leading our life, all of these things are going to show up and exist. Here they are. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Why is he saying that? Because that's where the freedom comes. You don't have to try. You don't have to worry about, oh, I got too much love and joy. I went over the line. There is no limits. You don't have to worry about I'm being too joyful today. All right? All right, let me, let me pick one of these. So here's, here's what I'm learning. This spirit-led, this free-throw example, Jesus, do it through me. Woo, he's in me, right? I, I'm living that life, and it's changed my life. I'm trying to learn to preach in that, right? As I'm preaching, this is newer for me. Spirit, lead me, because he knows. Some of you, some of you um, the old days, some of you have been around in church. They'd come to the preacher and say, you've been reading my mail, right? Which makes no sense today, because nobody reads the mail, all right? Uh, what they meant was, you're saying stuff that you shouldn't know God needed me to hear, right? And we, 
Today it would be uh, social, you're reading my social media, which is, I just need a little public service announcement. Some of you don't know. Some of you know that your social media, like p other people can see that. Some of you think it's a diary. It's not. Other people actually can see that. Future employers can s go back and see that. Anyway, today the analogy of mail would be you're reading my texts, right? I think that would help me be a be better preacher. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest that. I want you to send me all your texts, what you say to everybody. Right? I think I would preach better, right? But we don't need that. We're not doing that. We don't need that because the Spirit knows what your texts say. So the Spirit has a way of speaking to you what I would never know that you need to hear because he's a living God, he's an active God. So out of that, I didn't say this first service, but I'm gonna say it now. I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna pick gentleness out of that list. They're all a fruit of the spirit, right? Let me, let me tiptoe around this line because I don't wanna geographically discriminate. You know, we got a lot of folks in our church that come what we used to call northerners. I don't know where that line is. When I think of northerners, I think of Boston and Philadelphia and New York. Is D.C. northern? No, no, it's, there's, they're, Geographically neutral. All right, so, we, and we got them in this room, and I love you, so I'm not picking on you. But have you ever heard a New Yorker say, you know, like, we're, we, just, we just talk different. We're, we're not gentle. That's not us. Right? That's beautiful. You know why? Because when you are gentle, they're going to know it's not you. Right? Now, does the gentleness of a true New Yorker look and sound a little different than a gentleness from somebody else from somewhere else? Yeah, it doesn't all, we're not trying to all look and sound the same. But the, if the seed of the Spirit has been planted in you, it's going to grow and it's going to come out as gentle, right? Some of you in your work, and I don't, you know, it doesn't matter where you're from, you just have a harshness to you, right? And when someone does you wrong, like it comes out. And you're like, I'm just not gentle. That's the point, right? You're not supposed to be. We don't want you to be, we don't want you to go try hard. I could do a whole message on gentleness. Here's how you need to be gentle this week. Jesus gets no glory when you try harder to be gentle. The point is Jesus wants to flow through you. Here, here's what will change the game. It's not a gimmick. It's not a trick, right? Say, say you go in tomorrow and you're some, you got stuff big on your work plate and you go in tomorrow and you're depending on somebody else to do their job so you can do your job, right? And they come in and they share with you that they haven't done their part. They didn't get to it. And there's deadlines. And now that's just changed your whole week, all right? Who of us is going to naturally be like, oh, preacher said yesterday, oh, you know, I'm going to be gentle. Gentle does not mean lying. Gentle does not mean, you know, not having people be held accountable. You can gently fire somebody, bosses, right? That's part of it. But it's a how you do it. So the, 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 the message is not just get a little bracelet that says gentleness. So when I'm about to be harsh, oh, I got a reminder. I, I, I hate the WWJD. I heard that was coming back. The old, uh, it was popular 30 years ago, what would Jesus do? Forget what would Jesus do. He didn't teach us what would Jesus do. He said, I live in you, right? You don't have to go somewhere and ask me what I would do. Just let me live through you. And when you let him live through you, guess what the result's going to be? Gentleness, right? I've got teenage kids, right? Um, and sometimes gentleness is not my default reaction, Right, so how's that? Is it me trying harder to be gentle? No, that doesn't get them anywhere or me anywhere. It is, all right, right now I feel it rising up. Jesus, I know you're in me. I don't want to shoot this free throw. And you know what? Some gentleness comes out. I'm not lying to you. I wouldn't tell you that. Gentleness shows up. It's not mine, right? If you, if you take living by the Spirit, you're going to know it's not you. you got to know it's not you. I, I had a stroke. It'll be my year anniversary of that stroke, November 15th. 
right? And God has done so much. And I've told you before, it's not because I'm the best patient ever, right? I have, um, I got a haircut this week. And my, my lady that cuts my hair, she's been through me, with me for over a year through this stroke. So every time I think she's going to stop, but every time I go, she's just like over the top encouraging. You're doing so good. Right? And I'm like, it's, uh, you're doing so great. The other day, this was Monday, she said, did you take the, she's on the second floor. She said, did you take the elevator? I was like, no, I took the steps. She's like, look at you. You came up the steps. I was like, I've been walking for 12 months. But I just want to tell her, you know, it's not, I'm not the best stroke recovery patient ever. It's Jesus has been, like that song, like it's not my strength, it's his. Our world needs to know that that's real. So you're going you're gonna to run into something this week. Maybe it's gentleness, maybe it's patience, maybe it's love, joy, peace. Don't try to do it on your own because if you are successful, you're going to get cocky. You think, man, I'm really a good person, right? And if you fail, you're going to think, man, I'm not a good Christian. Stop. There's no freedom in that. The freedom comes from Jesus Christ. The spirit of Jesus lives in me, and it's going to show up not just in the great times. It's going to show up in the hard conversations. It's going to show up in the hard moments. It's going to show up in temptations. It's going to show up in addictions. We were singing that song, I believe that some strongholds were broken before I ever came up here. As we sang the name of Jesus, I believe that he was breaking strongholds. We want the story to be Jesus did that. Right? In my profession, there's a bunch of ugly, nasty meanness, M-E-ness, not meanness, but meanness. I went to a conference one time in Texas. I went to this church. I went to the bathroom. I'm using the urinal. Above the urinal are all these posters of the pastor's face. I'm trying to pee, and I gotta look. I'm like, what are we doing, you know? It's not, it's, it's not me. It's not my face will never be on a sign or any of that. We're trying to have people come and meet Jesus and be like, wow. And some of you have already bought the lie. Some of you, even on the gentleness example, your true heart is, I'll never be gentle. That's just not me. It's not you being gentle. It's Jesus being gentle through you. Are you the one person Jesus is like, I don't have anything to do. I can't do anything with her. No. He will be victorious in you. He will be victorious in your struggles. And then your faith just grows because you know, I didn't do that. The people in this room with the most faith are the ones that you know. That's not me. I can't be that kind of mother. I can't, do, I can't pull that off. I can't get rid of this addiction. The worst thing you can do in addiction is just go try harder. That's often the message to addicts. Just try harder, right? We don't need that. We need Jesus to free you. It's a much better story. The fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace, patience, kindness. Next he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus, what have they done? They've crucified the flesh. We're killing the flesh with its passion and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. All right, there's a step team that came to my high school. I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Once Salem State came in and did a step show, I was like, man, I want to learn to do that. I never did. Um, but the worst thing, if you ever seen a step team, the wor- they, they can all be, like, beautiful. One person's out of step, it throws everything off, right? It can be the same with us as a church, right? So we're not keeping in step with me. You're not keeping in step with the person beside you. We're keeping in step with the Spirit. That's going to unify us. We're a multi-ethnic church. We're not trying to be the same. We're trying to be one. It's a completely different goal, right? And we're not going to be the same, but we are going to be going the same direction. Our oneness is going to come from the Spirit. It's going to keep us in step with each other. The last verse of chapter 5 says, let's not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Why would he? I thought it was all about life by the Spirit. And now he ends with that. Yes, because if you're living by the flesh, and maybe it's sinful stuff, maybe it's just self-sufficiency, which is a sin, just counting on yourself. The more you depend on yourself, 
the more conceited you can get because you're, you know you're doing it on your own strength and then somebody else is struggling and you're thinking, well, they just don't have enough of the, of, the, of the oomph in them. They don't have what I have. They don't have enough grit. They don't have enough determination. They don't have enough whatever. So then we get conceited against other people and, and then it provokes us, it says, to envying each other. Or somebody's doing great and you assume because you're trying to do it by your strength that their greatness is by their strength when it's not, it's by Jesus. So it's gonna mess us up as a church in so many ways. Here, here's what's really exciting, church. We got some stuff. I don't mean to tease stuff, but I do. Um, there's some exciting stuff we're going to talk about in the next few months for our church that's going to affect us. And I'm super encouraged. I'm not going to get into it today. I'm super encouraged because God is speaking to several staff and several leaders, and he's speaking some of the same things. And some of you might think, that's crazy. Is it? If it's the same spirit, there's going to be some alignment and some unity in where we're going and what we're becoming. And that's really exciting. So my prayer as I pray for you is that maybe for some of you that would say, I'm a Christian, this will be the first week of your entire life where you drop the ball, you let Jesus come and shoot on your behalf, and you actually live through his strength instead of your own. It is not a little different. It is night and day life. Father, would you speak to this room right now? God, maybe there's some blanks that need to be dealt with. So we're trying to add some stuff to you. Maybe we were taught something as a, as a young person, um, maybe even in a church that we have to add something to Jesus to be a legit Christian. God, would you free us of all that? We thank you for our freedom. We thank you that we can't do anything on our own. We thank you that you wanna come and do it through us, through our mouths, through our resources, through our opportunities, our influences, our relationships. God, we just pray we live a life that brings you all the glory, that people that know us the best would know it's not us, it's you through us, and that these seeds of the Spirit, the fruit, would just be evident, that we would be a, an army of people walking out of here ready to have our joy and peace and love and patience and gentleness and all that just spill out on everybody, and may you get all the glory for it. Teach us, God, to stay in step with your spirit. We pray and go in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep pounding now.